do you believe that that a congregation can affect the ministry of the word? Let me say it a different way. Do you believe that there are congregations that really hear and that they really listen and it has an effect on the manifestation of the spirit that night? Yeah. Uh, do you uh, believe that if we, if Jesus, if we gather in His name, two or three gathered in His name, and what what happened? What did He say? There I am in your midst, and gathering in His name is is in His spirit and in His nature, and that really is real. That is really real. So look at chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. Like when Paul came to the Thessalonians, he calls that like his entrance unto them, into them, his uh, appearance and his ministry of the word. It was very effective. It was not in vain. They received him. Remember when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, they were not received everywhere. What did he say to them? If you are not received. Uh, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next uh, town or village. And there they might receive you and then when you they receive you you stay with them and uh, that's our prayer really for the work of the gospel in the world that it would be received verse 2 but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated as you know at philippi what happened at philippi Let's see, where, where Philippi, Philippians, Philippi, where Acts 16, what happened there? They were beaten and they put in jail. And they were shamefully uh, treated. Uh, and then the magistrates of the town uh, realized that they are Roman citizens, so... They, they, they realized they made a mistake. But Paul wouldn't leave until they escorted them out of the city. And he said, to, and the next city they went to was Thessalonica. So they went from Philippi to Thessalonica. And there they are received very well. And then they were driven out of Thessalonica. And they went to Berea, a town south in Greece like some distance, I don't know, uh, 60 miles, 80 miles, I don't remember the distance, but not that far. And in Berea they preached, and there uh, the people received the, the, them and uh, studied the scriptures to see if it was so, what they were saying. So here, here's our text here. Look at verse 2. 
As you know, at Philippi, this is what happened to us because they told them we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So what happened there was they would go to the synagogue, preach. It was received another week preaching, and then the Jewish uh, leaders of the synagogue became angry and uh, they stirred up people against them, and they were driven out. So as they went, they had a mix. They had a reception and spiritual impartation and people getting saved. Wow. They were saved. And then the opposition and being driven out, and they would go to the next city and, uh, and minister. So that, that was their mission work. Look at verse um, 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. What do those words mean? Uh, our preaching wasn't out of any, um, any uh, advantage for ourselves. We were not uh, cheating or lying or looking to raise money or selling anything. Uh, sometimes when we go to doors, we just say, one of the first things, we say, we're not selling anything. We're not asking you for anything, but just to tell you that God loves you and God cares for you. And we are from the church and would like to welcome you and come and visit us and be with us. And sometimes you say, uh, come and, and be born again. Or right now at your doorway, you could be born again. Uh, or you are thinking about it, and it takes time to figure it out and think about it and decide in your heart whether you believe or not. Come and be a believer. Uh, be a believer. Your children need it. Uh, you need it. God loves you. God cares about you. And he does. Absolutely. So much. Now, here's uh, what I wanted to say. We had a visitor yesterday, Mark DeMoss, and we had a beautiful day, rich day. He was a great brother who was humble and ministered to us from the book of Proverbs. And from his experience in public relation work with major uh, ministries and businesses, Christian businesses, in the country, and he learned a lot. He knew, he knew, uh, he shared with us. He enjoyed it to share, and we were very much touched by the day yesterday. And after the evening message, he, he shared here last night from six to seven, and then we had Q&A for another uh, hour. And at the end, he shared with me, he said, um, uh, this this congregation is really alive, something like this. I don't remember the exact words. He goes, they are very good listeners. And they are alive, like they are receiving. He said, I feel they are receiving what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel it. Like, I, I said, I know it's the spirit of God, the anointing of God. That That's what, that's what it, it is. And he and he said, I delivered the same message yesterday uh, to a congregation of about 600 people. 
And it wasn't, wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. It was, you know. So, um, I appreciate that. I appreciate um, the fact that you and I, though, were, were learning. But the prayer life and the preparation of our hearts and humility is message yesterday was about a long list, not mentioning any names, but a long list of scandals uh, through decades of ministry where he was involved to help people in big ministries where men had failed by two-thirds of the people on the list, he said, two-thirds of them have failed in their lives as leaders by way of alcohol and sexual sin. And we were taking notes and thinking about what he was saying. We talked about it, and we had raps about it. But that's very interesting. Major leaders, big leaders, important people affecting the lives of millions of people. And yet, in our own personal life, there is something that is missing. And, and at the end of the night, like we were together, we went out to eat and our, our family, and we had a beautiful time together. But at the end of the night, just when we were leaving, he said, you know, uh, it's amazing how leaders are proud. Leaders are proud. And, like, what a big problem that is when we are proud. And... Um, and I, and I reflected on Dr. Stevens because he was so much training us to deal with our pride by listening to the pulpit and listening in the spirit and, and walking personally with God and having a personal prayer life and being humble and submitted to each other. And because we learned that and we were taught that, it helps some of us to walk and, and to be blessed. And our prayer is that we can pass it on uh, because we know it is not, and nobody has a market on this. Nobody can package it and carry it around and say, I got it. But it's something that can disappear. I am proud or not broken or angry or resentful or hateful or uh, reactionary or, you know, uh, emotional like that. And, and I just praise God for our training where, where the Holy Spirit was able to say to me, humble yourself before the mighty God, the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself before God in, in uh, your life and in your heart. So in our message tonight, we're going to look at Daniel and speak a little bit about how he, he grew in his conviction, how the prophet Daniel was a young man, and he grew in this subject 
and he couldn't be moved. He was not moved. I'm sure he could have been moved, but he was not moved because he had a growing sense of conviction in his spirit. And it, it edified, it was very edifying, and he was really used in a beautiful way. So uh, that's it. Amen. Convictions, having some sense in my heart of uh, truth. One of the phrases we heard from Mark DeMoss was, it's not an ethical question, it's not a legal question. Some things can be legal, uh, ethically okay, uh, but it's a wisdom decision. What is wise? What is wise? So we are learning as Daniel, and we'll look at that in a minute, but I'd like them to put up on the screen a verse, Hebrews 13, verse 22, for our understanding and just kind of make a note of this verse, maybe memorize it, write it in an index card, put it on your screensaver on your phone. Uh, I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. Like when you are corrected, take it. Eat it, you know. Eat humble pie. Eat the truth. Eat crow. When you don't like it, eat it. Take it. If it's from God. Amen? Go ahead. Talk to your neighbor about it. Tell him, eat crow. Okay, go ahead. Take it. Okay, uh... You know, uh, look at the verse again. Suffer the word of exhortation. That means when it hurts, take it, like get it, receive it, you know. That's a good thing for us. When, when, when I don't like it, but I can take it, I receive it, I want to embrace it. Because why wouldn't I want God to correct my life now? I will meet him later. It's going to be straight. It's going to be made clear later. Why not do it now, right? But why? Because maybe there isn't the openness. There is protection, not the humility, not the submission, not the openness, not the uh, not not the hunger to receive and relate to truth outside of myself, objective truth, we call it. Not my opinion, but outside of me, objective truth, which is the Bible. Okay, let's look now at Daniel 1. And make some observations regarding what happened to him. And as a young man, he was in Israel and deported. There were deportations. Now, one of the wise things that a earthly government might do is take a select number of the young boys, 
young men. So we don't know his age, but is he 15 years old or 18 or 20, uh, something like that, when he was um, deported to Babylon. Why? Because he would learn the language, uh, learn uh, government, learn uh, the culture in Babylon, and the king needed Jews that would be the, the top layer. He needed them to learn to be Babylonian or Chaldean, and that those people would be bilingual. They'd have the Hebrew language and the Chaldean language, and they would be the king's counselors. They were young. They would grow up and be educated by the Babylonians then he could use those men to govern the exiled Jews that came out of Israel into the deportation. And there were three deportations, and but so Daniel is one of the first ones that goes with three other uh, Hebrew boys that are mentioned here by name. And they are given uh, Babylonian names of gods. Uh, this is a pagan culture. And they were given the um, education. So verse uh, 3. The king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the prince's children in whom was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and as such had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So Daniel was selected. He was uh, a top guy, verse 5. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. So after three years, they would have learned the language, the culture, the customs, the habits of the people, all of that. It could stand and the king could have a conversation with them and actually maybe interrogate, not interrogate, but question, test them and to see what has happened uh, with their training. And now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, on whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names. So he gives the names there. And then uh, verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Uh, another way of saying I'm a Jew, I eat, I don't eat the pagan food. I, uh, I go by the dietary laws of the Jews. So Daniel is a Jew, and he becomes like a Babylonian, but in his heart, he has a conviction in his heart that he's going to live by the law of Moses because he's a Jew. He has it in his heart. And I honestly believe that's like us, that there, there's a part of us that, that belongs to the world. And then because of being born again, we have in our hearts something else. 
We have in our heart love, love for God. We have in our heart something else. Eh? And, and the, the both of them are real. We have, we have infirmity in our flesh. We have weakness in our flesh. We are in our culture. We are affected by our culture. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, conforming to our culture. And there, there is in the Christian life many times no difference between a Christian and somebody who's not a believer. But one thing that I want to ha- you, for you to get in your mind that there is a difference between us and unbelievers. There is a difference, and I enjoy the difference. And, and that's a normal thing for us because we are born of the Spirit. We are taught by God. We have in our hearts something that we carry with us. Though we are in Babylon, I'm not going to eat that food. In Daniel's case, that was what happened there. So, uh, verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. There's a beautiful verse. The man liked him. The man was with him. He was overseeing him, his mentor, professor, God, teacher. He's the guy responsible for training Daniel. But when Daniel is saying, no, I'm not going to eat that, the, his, the guy over him was, had tenderness toward him. He cared. He, he was interested, maybe we could say. He was listening. He goes, why, why not? Why not? This is very good food. This is what we eat here. And Daniel is saying, well, it, this is why. This is why. And, and the fact that he cared about Daniel, I think, is a, is a beautiful thing for whatever reasons it could be. Maybe Daniel's uh, nature, his kindness, Daniel's love for God. Maybe uh, Daniel uh, is kind. He's... Um, uh, talks to the eunuch, they have those talks. Joseph in Egypt, remember the jailer gave Joseph the key to the jail. He gave him the key, imagine, because the jailer liked Joseph or found him, understood him. Like, that's our nature, by the way. And uh, like I've said before, uh, I hear stories about people who at work uh, have a good influence on the people working with them and lead them, answer questions, and takes time, but leads them in the cafeteria talk or leads them in comfort or mercy or leads them in kindness or prayer. Like, how could I pray for you? You know, leads, uh, we have that in, happening in our lives like it did with Daniel. Okay, verse 10. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear, my lord the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse, liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. 
think I'm going to get in trouble because of you, Daniel. Then Daniel said, whom the prince had said over Daniel to, Melzar, and the other three, there's four boys, men, prove your servants, I beseech thee, ten days, let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Wow. Was that oatmeal? What was it that they ate? And water, not wine, water. Wow. Then let our countenances be looked upon before you, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, as you see, deal with your service. See, so he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now, this story is about conviction. It's about making decisions. It's about something that that grows in your heart. And oftentimes it starts just by faith. I'm going to do this by faith. I'm not smoking marijuana. Now it's legal in the state of Maryland, and you can smell it sometimes walking down the street. And I, I know that to Christian people, I, I need to say it, that to us, it's like, be, be wise. Because when I'm having a good time, I want to be aware of the, time, of the fact that I'm having a good time. When I have good relationships with people, I want to be aware of the fact that I have good relationships with people. You know, I want to be aware of the world I'm around, the world that I'm in and the world around me. I want to be aware. I want to be able to make, when Jesus says, call, calls us, I want to be there to say, here I am. Like he called Abram and Noah, and they said, here I am. But I think if you're stoned, you're smoking marijuana, smoking weed, God calls your name and you're not going to say, here I am. You're going to say, where am I? What's going on? What? What? I mean, is that insane or what? That is not wise. So we have Daniel in the story. Uh, how do I get it? I be around people that have it. I already have it in me because of Christ in us. Let's like develop that, cultivate it, sharpen the edge. Like use it. You know, they say in the physical body, if you don't use the muscle, you're going to lose it. Uh, so we, we have different muscles and, and many levels. And how about talking? Maybe you don't like to talk. Learn to talk. Listening, learn to listen. Serving, learn to serve. To make decisions. I don't make decisions. I don't want to make any decisions. I don't make any decisions. Then the river will decide for you where you end up. You end up at the bottom of Niagara Falls. Wondering, why didn't I make a decision? I mean, sometimes I need the initiative of making a decision, and I need the Lord to help me 
Should I make this decision and say, I'm not eating that food? Should I make that decision? As I make that decision and my muscle is used, I'll be ready for the next one. I'll have something in my heart because God will help me. God will lead me like God will help us and learn and have convictions in life. Saying no. Saying no. How about we, it came up last night in the, the, and there was a podcast yesterday, last night. I don't know if it's posted, but it was very good. And we brought up in the rap. What about you're at a party with friends and all, all the people there are drinking or many of them and they just said, drink, here, have a drink, have a drink. No, thank you. I don't. Oh, you're offending me. Here, take a drink. I mean, this is what we are doing. Here, take a drink. Well, how do you address that? What do you say? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Or what would Daniel do? What would Daniel do? And then when Daniel is living this way, how is it affecting his life? Because when we fast forward to chapter 6, he's now 85 years old. Not 15. He's 85 It's 70 years later in chapter 6. And we'll look at that in a minute. But I I want you to think with me about it. What you say is, genetically in my family, we we have the possibility of alcohol destroying our family. I'll get addicted to it. It's in the history of my family. If that is the case, I'm not lying. It's not necessarily my family. I don't really know. My, my family got a history of horse stealing, <laughs> counterfeit money. I don't know about my family line, but your family line, I do not know. But alcohol is like poison to people. It is a genetic, a physiological thing. Everyone knows that the North American Indians went crazy with alcohol, and there's a physiological explanation. I don't need to, I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but I heard it on the radio uh, from some science uh, guys that were talking about it. It, it. Alcohol is processed differently in the bodies of nomadic peoples. So I, I, I don't want to get in, <laughs> but I just want to say, you got a lot of say, things to say when they offer you a drink. No, thanks. A friend of mine was killed in a car accident because of that stuff. Thank you. No, thanks. I know a family, the marriage was destroyed because of the way the guy is talking when he's drunk to his wife. And he tore her up by his words because he's a drinker and he destroyed his marriage. No, thank you very much. You don't drink? I said, no, neither did Abraham Lincoln, and he turned out awesome. And by the way, if you're a Confederate, neither did uh, General uh, Lee. He did not drink either, and he turned. And many Jewish people do not drink. There are a lot of people that do not drink because they're smart. And don't look on the wine when it is in the cup, red in the cup, the Bible says. So there you go. Okay, we 
Where is this coming from? I embraced it when I became a believer at 19 years of age. I'm now 71, and I don't think I've missed anything. Actually, I turned beer into furniture. You might say, how do you turn beer into furniture? You just take all your beer money that you never spent on beer and go to Ikea and buy furniture for your wife and give her a big kiss on the cheek and say, this is because I love you, honey. How about that? Money. You have more money. You have a better mind. You have better relationships. Your marriage lasts longer. Your life is better. And every doctor will tell you When you go to see him, he said, do you drink or smoke? And you say no. And you know what he thinks? You're lying. (laughs) And I have said that to my doctor. I said no. And I said, doctor, you think I'm lying. I don't. Isn't that good? Where did that come from? Bible school. Where did it come from? This pulpit. Where did it come from? The Bible. Where did it come from? Wise people that are sitting around us in this room. Are you going to obey it? No, you're not going to obey it. Are you? Yeah, we do. We get, we do. All right. So, by the way, if you leave this church and you can anytime, the door is there. There's no membership. We have a big door, high ceiling. You can come and go as you want to. But if you're here, you're here because you want to be here. But if you want to go, you can go. But beware. You should go to a spirit-filled church that has conviction and walk with conviction in your heart wherever you end up going and grow in the faith and grow in Christ and learn how to live. But if you go out angry and ripping angry and you try to tear the building down as you go out, probably the first thing you'll do is go and start drinking. And you say, man, I feel great. I can go drink now and those people don't bother me at all. I'm out of there. I can go drink. That's how people are. So, okay. That's their life. That's their call. But if you talk to Daniel... He's a serious guy. And God is telling him about dreams. He's a friend of the king. God is leading him, not, not for five years or ten years. We're talking 70 years. But now he ends up in alliance den. Let's go to it. He's 85 years old. <clears throat> Verse 1, chapter 6. I will wrap it up here. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them. The king should have no damage. Uh, So he's had a long history of really great decision-making, great counsel, trust, People like him a lot, but he's targeted. The devil always does that to godly people, and that's you are one of them. Uh, Somebody has their eye on you. Like um, Job said that Satan has, has put his eye on me. He set me up as a target. Just like putting up like an archery, he set me up as a target. And that is sometimes how we might feel. And Daniel is like a target. We're going to take him down. 
Then this Daniel was preferred above, above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. What kind of spirit? Excellent. What? Excellent. How did he get an excellent spirit? He was following God. He was obedient to God. He had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit in him. It was a great verse, isn't it? And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. He's even the king is in bed thinking, you know, Daniel, man, he's got the whole package. I'm going to put him over the whole thing. Then there is jealousy, verse 4. Presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Was he stealing money on the side? Was he sleeping with somebody on the side? Was he kind of deceitful in his actions and his words? Was he? No. They couldn't find anything against him. What a story, huh? Then they said, so they did the, the uh, verse 5, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king. And they said, King Darius lived forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. I think Darius had a problem. Like his counsel was not very good. Uh, he probably was trusting in them, but they were making a bad decision. Can a committee make a bad decision? Can a council make a bad decision? Yes. Could we be kind of sleeping when we sign off on the bad decision? Yes, it did. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his window being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. As he did a fourth time. As he did when he was 15, 20, 25, 30. 45, 50, 60 years old, 70 years old, as he did, what did anything change? Nothing changed. He did it automatically. Did he talk to his friends about it? What should I do? Should I pray anyway? No, he just did it because it was what he did. He didn't change. Uh, did he ask the maid in the house to make sure the window is shut? Because i got to pray in the other room. I don't want anybody to know. Did he uh, organize it in such a way that he would hide in his prayer? No, he didn't. Where, what happened? It was his built-in relationship with God. And that's what you are doing. You are learning and growing in your conviction and it becomes part of your DNA. It's kind of flowing in your heart. It's something that you live with as a way of life. 
It will help you. Now, this is what happened. He goes into the lion's den. He's 80, 85 years old, maybe. Lions. You go to the zoo, look at one. Be in the cage. Think about it. He's in the cage. What do you think his heart rate was? Blood pressure. What do you think? These, these animals there. But there he is. He is in the presence of his enemies. He is in the presence of a crisis. He's in the presence of trouble. And how does he process it? And that's what I I just thought about it this afternoon, that maybe when you have this growing conviction in your heart, it helps you so that when you are with the lions, I mean, you are with the lions, uh, it's it's, uh, okay. I don't know how how it was. Like they're walking around. He's probably slept, I don't know. In the pictures, you don't see that, but maybe he did. He lay down, and the lions are there lying down too, maybe, and walking around a little bit and moving. And they are hungry, but they can't eat him. They cannot eat him. They cannot. They cannot eat Daniel. They're not going to eat him. They're not going to have him. No, they're not. They, 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 did, they, they will not. Did I already say that? They are not going to eat him. No, they, they are not going to eat him. How come? I don't know. Is it true? Is it true? If you have convictions growing in your heart and you are living with those, they will protect you, help you. God will honor you. God will bless you. Your enemy cannot have victory over you. You'll be in their very presence until the time. When there's a time to be eaten by a lion, then there will be a time for that. That will happen. If it's time to be crucified like Christ was, there is a time, a certain day, that happens. It happens in life. But what about all the other days? What's happening? Daniel's saying, okay, it's illegal to pray. (laughs) It doesn't affect me at all. I am praying. Windows open. I'm praying three times a day, like I always do. Busy man, head of an empire, three times, morning, afternoon, and evening. A man of prayer. A man who knew God. Great story. Amen. Lord, we live in a day where we are so distracted that we cannot concentrate in prayer. We don't pray some, don't pray once a day. Maybe some pray all day. That's not the point as much as We need conviction in our hearts in a distracted world where we spend hours and hours distracted. And we need, like I I believe Daniel was a serious guy who made decisions and 
carried them in his life and in his heart and was favored and honored by you. Make us a little bit like Daniel in these days, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask. And then anyone coming to Christ tonight, come to Christ, please. In your heart, make a decision. In your heart, repent from your own way, whatever that is. Whatever that is, your own way, your own life, your own preference. It's kind of crazy to live your own way all the time, your own life, your way for you. When you're made by God and made in his image and he says, come to me and trust me and open your heart to him. He will save you, love you, forgive you, teach you, and you will know him. In Christ's name, amen.